On the Tech Night Owl Live this week, we'll have John Martellero of the Mac Observer with a number of topics to bring up with regard to Apple Incorporated, including the possibilities for iPad success. We'll also talk about Windows 10 with Mark Spoonauer of Laptop Magazine. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer first up on this episode of the Tech Night Out Live with a large agenda of stuff to talk about. But just ahead of the show, I sent him a link, and it was about the latest vulnerability for Android. And it's like the second one I've heard about this week. There was another one where I think one line of text can make it vulnerable. What's going on over there? You know, this is not so much a problem with any particular operating system, I don't think anymore. I think it's a problem with the way we write code. There is this idea that a single programmer can sit down under time pressure and write a module and be done with it and move on, and eventually it all comes back to bite you. A couple months ago, I interviewed a company named Gala up in Portland, Oregon, and their expertise is writing secure code. There are several elements in in how to write secure code. Uh, I can go into it briefly if you want me to. Let's kind of keep it quick because most of our listeners are not programmers. Well, it's not that deep. Basically, it has to do with testing your code. It has to do with designing the code uh, the right way at the the beginning and making sure that you test it, that it does only the things that you want. And then you use a language that enforces a strong relationship between you and the compiler so that you and the compiler are on the same page. And the CEO of Gala told me about Haskell, a programming language they like a lot. And Swift has borrowed a lot of the ideas from Haskell. Some programming languages are designed to be you know, kind of loose and relaxed, and you know, they get things done, but it may not ex- exactly express your intentions, and so you can get into trouble. Perl is kind of like that in the sense that there's so many ways to do things, and it's so friendly that... It's not real strict about some things. So there are industry pressures, time pressures, financial pressures, and individual rights code. It's not highly designed. It's the right language is not used. A lot of time isn't spent in pre-designing the code before you actually start writing the code because of time pressure. And so these little things slip in, and they slip into iOS, and they slip into Android, and they slip into any operating system. And people who are astute about these things go munching around and they can find them. So it's, it's happened to Apple. It's, it's happened to Android. I think it happens to Apple less. And it's going to happen to Apple less because of the use of the Swift programming language, which makes the programmer's intentions much clearer and is more strictly typed. So I've come to the conclusion that it's it's not some terrible thing that is a characteristic of Android because, you know, it's drawn from the principles of Java. Programmers are pretty smart who write the code. 
but these little things creep in for other reasons. And the, the issue is how fast can you squash them? Well, the other issue is how fast can you deploy them, if at all, to the end user? That's the big issue, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. If you've got carrier blockades where you know, it's up to the carrier to upgrade the operating system or some other issue that, that keeps the updates from being rolled out quickly. And Apple is under pressure from that too. You know, There was a uh, exploit discovered recently in Germany that allows you with local access, local machine access to escalate to root privilege. So that, you know, that's not too worrisome because somebody has to sit down in your Mac. But it is a big issue and companies like Apple and Google are paying a lot of attention to it. It's tough work. It's not just a question of uh, always Apple being superior, but I think in general, because Apple control the hardware and the hardware, software together using the right programming language and has control over everything, they do a f- somewhat better job. They focus on it. Android is used in so many different versions by so many different companies. You know, it's hard to keep things under control. I think uh, Tim Cook recently referred to it as a, what was it, a a toxic health stew of fragmentation. Well, it's too bad he holds back. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's lots of things you can do. You know, keep your code from being fragmented. Keep your code written under strict design control. One of the things that that, uh, Galah told me about the corporation, the CEO, was uh, never let humans write code. There are code generators that are byproduct of the design. So you design what you want your product to do with a tool, and there are various tools for that. And then once the code is designed, then you let the tool itself write the code. And that way the design is properly implemented. And the code, generator, the code generation tools are getting more and more refined. They never make the same mistake twice because if they do once, you fix it, and the code generation doesn't do that anymore. So um, their advice was be careful about handwritten code. And there's also this idea about two people looking over each other's shoulders. It's a very expensive thing to do. But if you have two programmers who are writing the code and they check each other's work, they watch each other code, and when if one person quits the company, you have continuity and he can get a new partner or she can get a new partner, then that helps really write good code. But that's expensive. And so there are financial and time pressures on companies that keep them from writing really, really secure code. And that's just part of our times. Well, I guess the big thing about it, once again, is that Google needs to find a better way to make sure that those who have Android phones can benefit from these updates. And so long as they have to work to the manufacturer and then to the carrier and the carrier only wants to sell you the next phone, it becomes an ongoing problem. Yeah, you know, they're not the only company that has this kind of problem. I saw on the news the other night, just as an aside, that there are some cars involved in the airbag recall that are still on the lots of rental companies. So the way it is, you may own a car and you get a recall notice and you bring it in. But if the car rental company that might have thousands or tens of thousands of those vehicles, when they get the recall notice, they don't necessarily take them in for repair. They're not going to pull all their cars off at once. They're going to try to do them in a phased operation, right? So there are going to be cars that are going to slip through the cracks and won't get it done right away. So again, that would be a financial issue. I mean, if if Hertz and Avis and whatever had unlimited funds, they would yank every one of those cars and get them fixed right away. So again, it's it's financial pressure. 
buyer beware. But fortunately, you have an iPhone in your pocket and you can type the VIN into a database and when you rent the car, because it's right there in the windshield, and check and see. And if you if it's on the list, say, I want a different car. But it's up to the customer to say so. If you don't, you may get stuck with that lemon for more than one reason. All right, let's move to some other topics here. Sure. You did an article for Mac Observer, and I'd like an explanation of the title. Apple is a large company. It has large ambitions. Now, we think of large ambitions, well, make lots of money, sell tens of millions of devices. What else am I missing? Well, the way I like to think of it is an analogy I used on on the Mac Observer Daily Observations podcast a couple days ago, and it started with a conversation I had about uh, with Kelly Gumon, who's one of our writers. Uh, think of Apple as a nuclear aircraft carrier, and think of the mission that you have. You have planes being launched and recovered. You have nuclear reactors carrying this ship into various waters and establishing its presence, and it has things to do. And it's very expensive, six, ten, twelve billion dollars when you include all the aircraft. So think of a young lieutenant who finds that on this, say, a new carrier like the maybe the Reagan or the uh, Gerald B. Ford, which, which is about ready to be uh, commissioned, he finds that his cabin door doesn't close correctly. And he's so he's annoyed. And then he has to go to duty. When he comes home, he finds somebody has broken into his cabin and stolen his iPod because the door was ajar. Let's continue this story really in our next segment sure. with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Thousands of people seeking home security get ripped off every day. And the home security industry wants you to believe that's your only option. They've got hordes of salesmen out there trying to scare you into signing one of their long-term contracts. You get stuck writing huge checks month after month with no way out. It's robbery by contract, and it can cost you thousands. But there's a better way to protect your home. Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe has no contracts. None. You'll get award-winning 24-7 protection. Security professionals watching over your home, ready to instantly send police to the rescue for just $14.99 per month. That's less than half what most companies charge. Protect your home the smart way. Visit simplysafedefense.com today for an exclusive 10% offer and get a free keychain remote worth $25. Only when you go to simplysafedefense.com. Simplysafedefense.com. 
Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle and actually absorb, providing nutrients targeting the problem area. Between Nuka and Nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124. Or on the web at drortman.com. Everyone says or does something silly once in a while. Even very smart, very accomplished people. It's part of being human. A quote taken out of context, a legal problem, an unfortunate photograph. Once that embarrassing thing is on the internet, it can spread like a terrible rash. Because people love to dig up dirt, even when it's not real dirt. Put it to rest. Call for a free expert analysis today from Reputation.com. It only takes 30 seconds. 800-831-0771. Businesses, public figures, and professionals turn to Reputation.com for good reason. We protect your online image by helping make sure that when people search for you or your business, they find the most current ag information possible reputation.com because word travels fast learn more about what the experts at reputation.com can do for you call for a free analysis today 800-831-0771 that's 800-831-0771 we'd like to hear from you if you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Okay, we were continuing with this Interesting story from John Martellaro so, of the Mac this, Observer. Go on, please, sir. So this ensign gets onto his blog and he complains about the quality control of the shipyard. Meanwhile, some fellow down the hall, some seaman finds that one of the shirts he put into the laundry uh, didn't come back. It's missing. And so he's annoyed. And then another fellow who's had a change in his marital situation changes his deductions from plus one to minus one. And the computer makes glitch and his next paycheck is zero. So these all the guys all sit down and they get on their blog and they complain about the ship is a mess. So one of the editors who's watching all these blogs looks at this and he says, oh yeah, well, a guy lost his shirt in the laundry. Another fellow had his iPod stolen. Uh, the craftsmanship of the cabin door is not so good. Uh, this fellow didn't get his paycheck correctly. Oh my God, this ship's a mess. The nuclear reactors are going to blow up. Planes are going to crash into the sea. Carrier isn't going to be able to fulfill its mission. And as they say in the movie Ghostbusters, cats, dogs, people living together. <laughs> so the idea here is, is that Apple is a very large company. They engage in very large projects. They do things like the Apple Watch and Apple Music, which are monstrously technical and expensive and affect tens 
maybe even hundreds of millions of users eventually. And, and so by and large, the ship sails on, but there are small problems here and there, and they have to be put into perspective. And what I'm seeing lately is, is that there are people who are hunting, looking around for these little things to write about. Yeah, there are a few people who um, lost their music library, maybe because they didn't know that there are certain modes where it's not visible anymore, but it's still in the cloud. It sounds like the problem that Jim Dalrymple had. I wasn't going to mention names, but... Let's do it because we it. talked about his situation last week. Well... I mean, he's a good guy, but things happen. It's a complicated system, and you have to kind of work your way through the logic of the situation and understand all the details. And I don't think Apple's done a very good job of of describing all the features and how you use Apple Music and how it compares to iTunes Match and the options for uh, streaming and uh, preserving your own music that you've ripped and... You know, that's that's a big educational issue. Plus, Apple didn't do the spiral approach. They did a waterfall approach where they dumped everything on us all at once. This large, grandiose project. Apple's got to stop doing that. Apple's got to start rolling things out piecemeal and, and testing and incrementally improving. And, you know, they're doing that with OS ten El Capitan, public beta, same with OS 9. So we should get incremental updates to iTunes and do public betas when you have a big project like that. But it doesn't have this, the big splash. But when you've got hundreds of millions of customers, 80 million Mac users, I don't know, half a billion iOS users, you've got not only large ambitions, but you've got large responsibilities. And, and so you have to roll these things out very carefully. But no matter how careful you are, just like we saw with operating system security, there's going to be edge cases. There's going to be people who are going to have problems and they're going to be annoyed and they're going to write about those problems. And you can collect a book of people who've complained about all those problems and user forms start exploding. The question is, does the ship sail on? Can the mission be accomplished? Um, or is it, is it a complete wreck? Has the ship sunk? And, and to and to claim that because your cabin door is ajar and the shipyard mechanic screwed up, that means the nuclear reactor is going to explode and the ship's going to sink, doesn't make sense. It's just blowing things out of proportion. It's looking for trouble in places where there isn't trouble. And, and that's because Apple has so many customers and there's so many things going on and there's so many things to write about. You can always find problems. The question is, are we prepared to fix them? How fast can Apple fix them? Are we prepared to understand what's going on, to learn, move on, and grow with Apple? And as Apple has gotten bigger and bigger, have we changed our perspective to respect that Apple's a very large company now? It's not the little $6 billion company that was selling Jaguar back in 2003, where everything could be just about perfect. It's a much bigger, more complex company. So we have to kind of grow in our perspective about well, how we treat the company. The other thing I see lately, especially with the public betas, is that people are looking at public betas and not realizing this is pre-release software. It's messy. It's got bugs. And you can't just review it as a finished product and say, well, Apple is producing more stuff that's in bad shape and they've got to stop it. I saw somebody's blog, somebody who actually worked for some sort of responsible site. That will not get mentioned here. 
saying the same thing. Well, look at the example of El Capitan. Well, El Capitan is in maybe the mid-beta process of a development, and it's not going to be ready for two or three months. So things will go wrong. You know, computer, you can't make a deal of that then. If you yeah, have a problem, take it up with Apple. Your computer can do a, uh, 5 billion multiplications per second, roughly. Maybe, in the case of a Mac Pro, maybe a, a trillion operations per second. What do you do with a, with a computer that makes an error once every 100,000 times? It's going to make thousands and thousands of mistakes. What do you do with a computer like that? You junk it, right? We expect our hardware to be perfect. And if it isn't perfect, it's trash. But these massive software projects can't be perfect. I think it's important to learn how to live with that, how to assess whether you want to move forward. For example, I have not yet signed up for Apple Music. I don't yet need it, and I'm not prepared to have my library messed up. So I'm going to wait, look around, wait for Apple to fix some bugs. Same thing with the public betas. If you press it into production use and you lose your data, and I read about an, art I read an article about a guy who did, he had to take his MacBook into the Genius Bar, and they said there's no solution here except Erase your hard drive and reinstall Yosemite. Um, the El Capitan install public beta failed, and he was completely hosed. So, you know, it, it, you got to read a lot. You got to be astute. You got to pick your battles. Figure out what things you really need. You just can't jump on everything all the time and gleefully install everything and expect everything to work. And then when it gets a little bit messed up, not know how to recover. We make a good living at the Mac Observer helping people deal with these issues to learn about what they're doing and recover from difficulties, tips to make their lives better. It takes a lot of effort, I think, these days to kind of stay up with the technology. And it's too easy to just sit back and send out a nasty gram and be snarky. That doesn't help anybody. I think the criticism I have about Apple is that with the public beta especially, there ought to be a fairly comprehensive set of release notes that really go into a lot of detail about what's wrong, what to expect, what to look out for. And they give you practically nothing. Now, the developers do get release notes, but they're pretty sparse too. I could well, see them being far, far better. I'll ask for your answer in just a moment. Okay. But I first, we have John Martellero. He's with the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. And we're talking about Big Apple and all the big things they do. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> largest independently owned communications network GCN Hey Berkey Guy here. Are you still drinking unfiltered tap water? Does your water contain chlorine or fluoride? Will you have drinkable water in an emergency? The Berkey Guy is here to help you remove these and other potential contaminants from your water, thus helping you drink clean, purified water. We offer Berkey water purification systems at the lowest available prices online. Don't go another moment without Berkey System. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands drink clean, purified water. Join them by visiting GoBerkey.com or call me, the Berkey Guy, at 877-886-3653. That's 877-886-3653. 
Virtually anyone can hack your cell phone and track your calls, your texts, your emails, your every movement, but only if they can detect a signal. Stay one step ahead of hackers and Big Brother with a Block It Pocket, a custom-made pocket infused with pure silver that creates a complete Faraday enclosure for your cell phone. For free shipping to the lower 48, visit BlockItPocket.com or call 888-315-9618, BlockItPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HDTV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas. Is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, who includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Call 1-800-714-6993. 1-800-714-6993. 1-800-714-6993 today. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. John Martellaro is champing at the bit to answer me. 
Well, we get in line. I'm kidding. This. We had a discussion about this the other morning in the Mac Observer staff meeting, and Jeff Gamut reminded us that if Apple didn't put these caveats out there, their lawyers would be very unhappy. So, you know, HFS Plus has been around for how long? 15, 18 years at least. This is, by and the way, pretty the well disk file system. Right. So it's very unlikely that a new version of OS X, like El Capitan, is going to scramble your hard disk and you're going to lose data. But Apple has an obligation to warn people under rare circumstances. Beta code could do something crazy and you could lose some important data and then you would be very annoyed and you would sue and so Apple has to say, look, don't install this beta software on a machine that's mission critical. You could lose data. And the lawyers make them say that probably until the release version of the operating system. Well, that's what Jeff was thinking. And I, I think he's right. I think Apple needs to be more upfront in the public beta pages, but still also the comprehensive set of release notes. So you say, well, the Finder sidebar won't resize. I will not officially state what's a bug and what isn't. It won't resize. Oh, my God. This is a horrible thing. But maybe in the next version, hey, they fixed that problem. Well, if you read the release note, if you were a person who was thinking about downloading the public beta and you read the developer release notes, your heart would sink and you'd never install it. <laughs> and by the way, that's only a rough generalization. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Let me tell you that the developer release notes cover some essentials, but maybe it's one-tenth of what's really going on. And if you read the full tenth, you'd freak. But mm -hmm. then this is what it is. Yeah, it's always good to pick a machine. that. Oh, It's always good to kind of have an old Mac laying around. Not too old, so that it can't run the newest operating system. But it's always good to have a, you know, that old 2010 MacBook Air you were thinking about giving to grandma or selling or something like that. It's always good to have one of those hanging around to, to try this stuff on. And if things break, you just erase the hard disk and start over. <laughs> now, one of the things they did as a strategy to install OS X El Capitan on an iMac, a fairly new vintage, and that was it has a Fusion drive, which is basically a solid-state drive and a regular hard drive and uses a solid-state drive for the most used 128 gigabytes yeah. of data. Now, the problem with that is here, and I'll tell you what it is, I wanted to set up the El Capitan public beta or the developer's release, depending on which I was using, without stating officially one or the other. I wanted to set up on another partition on that drive. Now, you can set up a second partition very easily, a live partition on these drives using disk utility. That means it will set up the partition and not delete your existing data so long as there's no overlap or anything. All right. The problem is here is that the solid state drive feature of the Fusion drive only works on the first partition. Oh, you, I didn't know that. I had to look up the release notes. You set up a second partition. It's not like you reboot under that partition and then gradually picks up what you're doing and brings it over to the solid state drive. No, it doesn't use it it then becomes an ordinary hard drive. I knew there was a reason why I didn't want to use a Fusion drive. Well, you have to look at it this way. If you have like a three terabyte Fusion drive, and then you compare, well, can I get a three terabyte solid state drive? No. 
not <laughs> yet. True. I think they've got some two terabytes now, and some three terabytes are coming out, but they I've, will be awfully expensive. I've learned, I've but you can a get a one terabyte drive if you spend an arm, a leg, and a foot yeah, on it. Yeah, I've learned how to live with 256 gigabyte uh, SSD or flash drive, and I offload everything else. I keep my parallels virtual machines on an external drive. I keep a lot of stuff that I don't use on an external drive. You can live nicely with a 256 gigabyte SSD. All right. But I have to tell you that the Fusion Drive is under normal use and circumstances. Now, if you do a lot of very large files, multi-gigabyte files, it doesn't do that. But under normal use and circumstances, it's as close to a, a true full solid-state drive as you can get with all the extra capacity. And I do have an older Mac, a 2010 17-inch MacBook Pro, upgraded to a solid-state drive. And it's amazing how that thing changed. Let's talk about El Capitan. Now, we look at El Capitan. Oh, it's just some under-the-hood stuff, not important. But you wrote an article for the Mac Observer where you point out that that's kind of a simplistic view there. It's not just a tune-up. There's a lot of stuff going on, including under the hood, that are significant. Right. Well, it all started when my readers started suggesting to me that Yosemite fails to live up to the reputation of, quote, it just works, unquote. Yosemite got off to a bad start when Apple changed the networking software in the underlying Unix system from MDNS Responder to a new piece of software called Discovery D. And it caused no end of problems for users, uh, especially with Wi-Fi users, dropping off the network and things like that. So the first mistake that Apple made was just putting it into Yosemite and not telling anybody. And we all thought everything was going to go along as usual. And we downloaded Yosemite, installed it. And a lot of people said, hmm, my Mac doesn't just work anymore like it used to. So eventually in 10.10.4, Apple gave up and, or at least temporarily, and returned us to the tried and true, long-tested legacy software MDNS responder that has been used in all Unix systems for years. And things got better. So that's one of the things that we're prepping for, and it's going to be an El Capitan. But there's another interesting and important issue in in El Capitan, and that is the use of IPv6, which is the new network protocol on the Internet that provides us enormously more addresses. The old system that we've been using for 20-some years on the Internet is running out of addresses. There's only 4.3 billion available addresses. And you think, well, that should work for a planet that only has 8 or 9 billion people. But it turns out we all have so many devices. You know, our phone has an IP address. Our toaster has an IP address. Our watch has an IP address. Our TV, our smart TV has an IP address. Our Blu-ray player has an IP address. Our Apple TV has an IP address. So this explosion of, uh, of addresses, now I'm not suggesting that you don't use NAT, you know, and, and have internal addresses in your home. But even with, you know, high-level addresses assigned to the home primarily, there are so many things going on with corporate addressing and networking and so many people coming onto the Internet worldwide that we just about run out of those 4.3 billion addresses. And so there's a new system called IPv6 that could give every grain of sand on the planet a billion, billion addresses. Not just a billion, but a billion, billion addresses. So 
we're never going to run out of addresses in this new scheme. And the internet engineering task force and all the the internet service providers like Comcast and Time Warner and AT&T have been working for years now on preparing their servers, their routers to get us over to this new system. And uh, in the past, um, Yosemite was, was using something called Happy Eyeballs, which was happy to keep using IPv4 if it was a little faster. But um, El Capitan is going to greatly prefer IPv6 so that uh, we'll get on with the transition, and that's going to help quite a bit. The other thing that um, El Capitan adds is something called system integrity protection. And this is a, a step towards taking away a little bit of the power of the admin user. You know, you don't normally, as, a, as an OS X user, Mac user, think about becoming the root user. That's a deep Unix magic stuff that Apple steers you away from. But if you were a root user, you would be God. You could have complete control of the system. Let's have complete this. control of these announcements first. Sure. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Everyone says or does something silly once in a while. But once that embarrassing thing is on the Internet, it can spread like a terrible rash. Put it to rest. Get a free expert analysis today from Reputation.com. It only takes 30 seconds. 800-831-0771. We protect your online image by helping to make sure that when people search for you or your business, they find the most current, accurate information possible. Reputation.com. Because word travels fast. Call for a free analysis today. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. 
But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. I have the power. If you're a root user, you have the power. But John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is telling us about OS X El Capitan rootless security called system integrity protection. What it does is is that it it, it keeps the admin user from using uh, too much administrative privilege to, to delete or alter certain system files. And, and it's, it's another level of protection because I think most Mac users, when they buy a computer and first install, and first uh, alert, what would you call it, announce themselves to the system, they are the admin user. Except in corporate circles where IT administrators force you to work as an unprivileged user, most people run in administrator mode. It's a real pain to be an unprivileged user on a Mac because it's a little trickier to install applications and, and to do certain things you might want to do, like get control of Flash and delete certain internet plugins and so on. So if you run as admin user, there's always that danger so that some malware could escalate itself to the same privilege that you have and then do some nasty changes to the operating system, insert malware, and so on. So 
you're, you're going to lose control of the ability to modify certain important system files. And that's okay. We don't need to mess with those files. Um, and if you do need to as an IT administrator or as an expert user, there is a way to suspend the system integrity mode so that you can do the system management that you need to do. And most everyday users won't care about that, won't know how to do it, and their Mac will be more secure. So the, the upshot is, is that while we were kind of lobbying for Apple to refine Yosemite and sort of do a Snow Leopard thing, in fact, Apple's taking some serious measures under the hood, things that uh, have been sort of on its plate for a while, to improve the security and improve the networking of El Capitan. Personally, I'm, I'm going to do a, a clean install of El Capitan for the first time in years. I usually do updates. I'm just going to wipe my Mac completely clean and install a factory fresh copy of El Capitan, and then I'm going to reintroduce my licenses because my library is so old and it's so packed full of crud, and I have so much stuff in there. I think that's a very good time to do a clean install. I might do the same. I mean, I have a clone backup on one drive. I have a time machine backup on another drive. So there's no problem there. You know, I know from setting up this computer and from the amount of storage I have on it, it's going to take maybe three hours to restore the computer to what it was before. And that's no big deal because I could just do it after dinner, start the thing running, check it out. The next morning, I get back to work. Yes, I think that's a good idea to do uh, every once in a while. And with Apple's attention to the networking and to the security, uh, it's probably time to uh, think about deleting all the cruft. You know, Apple's been doing some things under the hood all along that have been very helpful. For example, uh, I believe in Yosemite, uh, you cannot run unsigned kernel extensions. Uh, Apple warned developers in the past, in the Mavericks days, that uh, this was going to be coming. So if a developer doesn't have a proper license to develop software from Apple and have a proper certificate that's blessed by Apple, they can't sign, they can't digitally sign their kernel extension. And Yosemite checks to see if a kernel extension is trying to load, and if it's not signed, it won't let it run. And this is a way to make sure that, again, malware doesn't insert itself into your system at a deep level. So these are all good things, and um, um, I'm glad to see that um, well, El, El Capitan looks like it's just, you know, uh, refinements and doesn't have a whole bunch of new exciting features. Apple is paying attention to some uh, pretty neat stuff under the hood. Now, I understand with El Capitan, again, it's a beta. Developers have it, public beta, talking about specific features that are not part of Apple's public pages is a no-go, but I'll say this here. In general, it's in pretty good shape for something that's pre-released. There are flaky things about it, and some third-party apps are going to have to be updated. So right. that's they, one uh, thing you should certainly. do is go to the site that has the apps that are important to you. Like, for example, we use Rogue Amoeba's Audio Hijack. We depend on it. We live by it. And I'm in close touch with Paul Kafasis, the CEO of Rogue Amoeba, and I know they're working real hard to be compatible with El Capitan. And they will, just like with Yosemite, they had to have updates. So this is fairly normal. That's what you have to see, something that's really tightly integrated with your operating system that does 
Disk utility tools. Or sure. Any of these things will have to be updated. I mean, if it, Adobe Photoshop or Quark Express shouldn't be a big issue. It should just work. But stuff that's really tightly integrated with your system, expect it to be broken and just pay attention. There's a site, and unfortunately, I can't remember the name of it right now, but I've been monitoring it for a couple of releases. And it's a site that keeps track of all the software and what operating system it works under. And if somebody's tested it, they they check the box and you can look at the column and see, what is that? What is the name of that site? It's not something that comes quickly to the mind. I'll see if I can research it and send you a note. Maybe you can put it in the show notes. That's a good place to check. Make a list of all your applications. Check it against that site. And do that before you do the upgrade to El Capitan. All right. There you go. El Capitan coming. iOS 9 is coming probably in two months from now. And that's in beta 4 shape. Two public betas. And it's in pretty good shape, too. You know, it actually is. I wouldn't suggest that you run it on your primary iPhone, but that's really what you have to do. Not everybody has a spare iPhone or iPad around, except there it's not impossible, but a little tricky to reinstall your old OS. You have to have another copy of it. You have to find a download of your original operating system. A little tricky. Anyway, let's go on to continue other subjects, one being the iPad. There's an article this week saying, well, the iPad's share of the global tablet market is down. Even though the global tablet market is shrinking, let me point out before we go there, though, that a lot of those tablets listed in the market share are the $50 things you buy at Walmart. (laughs) They aren't useful for anything. I mean, you can't even put them in the same category. But it's a tablet, so they do. At the last earnings report, which was, what, July 21st, Tim Cook or or Luca Maestri, I forget, mentioned that in the above $200 category tablets, Apple has a 75% market share. So you're exactly right. There are so many white box tablets out of Asia that it's uh, easy to imagine that an expensive product is falling in market share with respect to this flood of inexpensive tablets but that's not where apple works we know apple works with people who want the very best so um also this is the tablet that you buy it and maybe you use it to watch netflix or something or you stick it in the drawer because it's so bad that you never use it again this is why we've had this curious spec where the vast vast majority of internet access by a tablet is an iPad. That's because a lot of the others are not usable. Here's something usable, a very usable announcement. We have a second special feature of the show. We have a special feature called Tech Night Owl Plus. And what we offer with Tech Night Owl Plus is the ad-free version of this show. And I've seen complaints in iTunes. Oh, so many commercials. Well, that's what a network radio show has. There are 82 shows on the GCN network, and we follow a normal network ad schedule. We give you this alternative under Tech Night Owl Plus. We take out 41 minutes of these network ads and you pay us a modest monthly or annual or five-year subscription rate for the privilege at plus.technightowl.com. Once again, that's plus.technightowl.com. Check it out. Check out the instructions to set it up and you'll soon get 
a better version of the show because we give you better audio quality. And by the way, a little bit later in the show, we'll be talking all about Windows 10, the ins and outs with Mark Spoonauer, who's the muckety-muck editor-in-chief fellow over at Laptop Magazine. That's going to be a fascinating segment, even if you're a Mac user and wondering what's going on on the other side of the tracks. More to come with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So let's talk about iPad. So Tim Cook is high on the iPad, even though sales are down. So we have to look here, what is Apple doing to improve the iPad? Number one is they're adding these extra multitasking features for iOS 9. You've got a split view feature, kind of like you have in Samsung or in Windows 8 and Windows 10, and Apple's incorporating that into El Capitan, where you have two windows side by side. That's coming if you have an iPad Air 2, because it requires lots of horsepower. So Apple's making the investment into improving the user experience for productivity on the iPad. There's also a story about the possibility of a large screen iPad called the iPad Pro. Can we take that seriously now, John? 
Yes, I think this rumor has gone from phase one, which is just bits and pieces and trickles, to phase two, where we hear some pretty solid information from the supply chain about production orders. Um, so there were two articles. Which one do you want to talk about? We're kind of merging both here. Okay. So there's two things going on here. There's the iPad Pro, which we've heard a lot of rumors about. This is a 12.9-inch screen. Um, that's about all we know about it. Uh, I've written extensively on about on the iPad Pro in the sense that this is going to be an enabler for lots of different uh, technologies and lots of different markets. Uh, for example, um, point of sales, uh, cash registers, military use, larger maps, planning boards, better uh, better resolution and displays in cockpits, uh, sports sidelines, examining plays, replays, scientific visualization, real estate. You know, if you're trying to sell a home, you want to have a pretty cool set of pictures to show a customer and you, as you drive them around. And a nine-inch display is not all that big for something like that. So... And and the possibility of you know more elaborate art always with a, which a, with a larger screen, so there's a whole long list of things that you can do with a larger display. Notably, magazines. You know, it's hard to take a magazine which is what nine by twelve and cram it into a a small nine point seven inch diagonal screen, which turns out to be what something like six and a half by ten or something. I've never felt comfortable reading a, a full-size magazine on a, on a regular iPad Air. There's just not enough real estate there. So I wrote an article about how I think the iPad Pro is going to be an evolving product. It's going to be an enabler. It's just part of what Apple's doing. As you mentioned a minute ago, Apple's modifying OS 9 for the iPads to have picture-in-picture -picture and overlay and slide-in. And with uh, a larger display and also uh, the business relationship with IBM and, and working with business customers doing IBM analytics on business iPads, you've got several initiatives. And, and finally, to name a fourth one, if you look at the sales of iPads over the last few years and you look at the technology, there was a big jump as we went from the iPad to to the iPad 3 because the iPad 3 gained a retina display. And once you had a retina display, you probably figured you didn't need Apple Pay because it was on your phone. And so you've been kind of sitting pretty since 2012 with your iPad 3 or your iPad 4. And maybe a few people adopted uh, an iPad Air in 2013. But the upgrade cycle wasn't didn't have the urgency and the excitement and the glitz and the jazz of the iPhone, which has astounding new capabilities and better camera and better communications and faster networking, just about every release. But if you look at the technology of the iPads and you look at the sales chart, it's kind of looking like there's going to be a big refresh cycle here because these iPad 3s and 4s are getting to be about three years old now. And one can expect that people are finally going to say, well, look, my old iPad, it's too fat. It's too old. The battery's not so great anymore. It doesn't have Apple Pay. It's it's not thin. It's not fast. It doesn't have 802.11ac. Um, I'm, I'm about ready to upgrade. 
And I think we're going to have a choice. We're going to have a, a nice iPad Air 3 in the fall, 9.7. And we're going to have an iPad Pro 12.9 inch just diagonal display. So there's going to be a lot of things to choose from. And I think that's the fourth item there is, is, is there's an upgrade cycle. And Tim Cook mentioned that in the RIPO earnings report. He sees that, if I read him right, he sees the upgrade cycle coming. So it could be kind of cyclical. You know, it could be like we have a sine wave where it has a period of three years or something like that. So Apple's doing what it can to ignite interest and to evolve the operating system with iOS 9 and allow us to do more things with it at the same time. And so Tim Cook is optimistic about the long-term prospects of the iPad. You know, don't forget, the Macintosh has been around for 30 years, and PCs have been, been around for 40 years. So we have a long history with, with PCs and Macintoshes, and the iPad's only been around for five. So let's not get too excited about declaring the death of the iPad. It's got a long future ahead of it and with new display technologies and OLEDs and uh, better batteries and, and and more advanced technology and and, and better Siri um, I, I think uh, the iPads are just going to get better and better in the future and they're going to get bigger and then we'll have a lot more uh, sizes to choose from and we'll look back and we'll say yeah this was just sort of like the early stages of the technology they're just things we couldn't do on the early iPads that's so gradually, they'll figure it out. I think so. Well, I agree with you about the upgrade cycle because, you know, there's normally not that much of a reason to upgrade an iPad except under situations where it no longer runs the current operating system. And right now, was it iOS 9 will work through, what, the iPad 2 or something like that? I thought it was the 3, but I could be wrong. It'll be the same as iOS 8 which is even by itself fascinating they're doing that with the promise of better performance for these older operating systems. But the key being here is I think at this point people who have an iPad 2 or 3 might start thinking, you know what, it's time to get that upgrade, especially because if they want to take advantage of all those new multitasking features, they can't do it with those old iPads. My wife has a uh, original um, iPad mini, the first generation without retina display. And she dropped it and cracked the display. So we put a plastic overlay on it and it still works. Everything is still functional, but it just looks kind of ugly. And I was using it the other day and boy, is it slow at WWDC. I think there was a chart that Tim Cook showed about the evolution of the AX processor, a three, four, five, six, seven in the iPads. And if I remember correctly, the iPad Air 2 is something on the order of 10 to 20 times faster than the original iPad. I certainly noticed it the other day using a original iPad mini, which I think has an A4 or an A5. So, yeah, that's another factor is once you start using one of these newer iPads and things start snapping pretty fast, you're going to say, oh, yeah, I, it's time to move on. Got to get a new one. So one would think then with this iOS 9 and the improved multitasking and maybe a fairly compelling update to the iPad mini, it might be the time. Yep, and if anybody knows it's Apple because they, you know, they collect metrics in these settings. If you allow it, information is sent back to Apple anonymously about how you're using your iPad, 
what's happening with it, how it fails and, and crashes if, if that happens, what apps you're using and things like that. So Apple's in a pretty good position to know. So if they see an upgrade cycle coming, I'm, you know, I'm betting it's about time. But Apple won't officially tell you that. Oh, no. But the other side of the story is, is that if you look at the, the curve right now, we're on the downward part of that sine wave. If, if you believe the theory that it's going to end up being a, th- a sine wave with a three-year cycle, we're in that downward curve. And so I've seen articles that show a negative rate of growth and say, oh, my God, oh, my God, any product with a negative rate of growth is dead. It's dying. It's gone. It's history. Well, this show will be history if we don't break. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is back for one more segment of the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Thousands of people seeking home security get ripped off every day. And the home security industry wants you to believe that's your only option. They've got hordes of salesmen out there trying to scare you into signing one of their long-term contracts. You get stuck writing huge checks month after month with no way out. It's robbery by contract, and it can cost you thousands. But there's a better way to protect your home. Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe has no contracts. None. You'll get award-winning 24-7 protection. Security professionals watching over your home, ready to instantly send police to the rescue for just $14.99 per month. That's less than half what most companies charge. Protect your home the smart way. Visit simplysafedefense.com today for an exclusive 10% offer and get a free keychain remote worth $25. Only when you go to simplysafedefense.com. Simplysafedefense.com. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, two of our top priorities are providing quality food at a reasonable price and protecting your security. When you call 800-700-2184, we will never record your phone call and never ask for your personal information, like how much food you have stored or where you keep it. We'll also never store your credit card information and email address on a computer. Your email address will never be shared or sold. We'll never limit the number of boxes you can purchase. We'll never use outside packers or use relabeled food from another company. Our meals are naturally high in fiber, carbs, and protein, and everything is packed with oxygen absorbers and mylar pouches under our direct supervision at our plant in Oregon. Oregon Trail Foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com keep prices low by buying directly from their producers in Oregon and then passing the savings on to you. Call 800-700-2184 and purchase our 30-day 90-serving emergency food supply for only $99 and $10 ships your entire order to lower 48. Visit our website 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 800-700-2184. That's 30dayfoodsupply.com at 800-700-2184. 
The polar vortex is here and expected to freeze over part of the U.S. Help is needed. Resources are often drained by people capable of caring for themselves, leaving those with the greatest needs to go without. Do your part by being prepared this winter. A supply of Go Foods will provide delicious nutrition, comfort, and security during hard times. Protect your community and call Go Foods at 1-800-648-9753 or on the web at www.storefoodnow.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer for one more segment of the Tech Night Out Live. We're looking at the curve there showing the sales. And I guess we don't have that much of a story about the upgrade cycle for the iPad. But it kind of seems like it'll be a good time. And that's the case from here on each year. We'll bring more and more people buying new models. And if they deliver compelling upgrades, and there's also greater acceptance in the enterprise the iPad may start growing again. Maybe. I'm sure Apple knows this already, but you know they can only say so much without telling everybody everything that they're doing. The iPad is not a product that's designed to go away. It's, a, it's, it's something new. It's something we all need. We all use it. We travel with it. There's been endless stories about people who say, you know, I'm going on a weekend trip. I don't need to take my five-pound MacBook Pro. I can take an iPad. I can check my mail, and I can surf... Um, there's endless uses. I don't watch TV anymore without an iPad in my lap because I'm always checking the international movie database on something or other, um, or checking the Mac observer while I'm watching TV. So, you know, the second screens thing is big and, uh, using, using Netflix on the move on your iPad is a big thing because you can watch it anywhere. So it's not a product that's got, that has become technologically unviable. As technology goes along, uh, the product is going to get better and better. And so, as I said in the previous segment, just because the rate of growth right now is slightly negative, it's too early to declare the, the product dead. And, and Apple makes the best of the tablets. And there's always room for people who want a good tablet and need to get a new one, and they want the best. So, like Tim Cook, I'm, I'm feeling positive about the future of the product. I know my wife depends on her iPad. You cannot take it away from her. It's with her all day long. I have a feeling she'll use the battery up before anyone else because she is constantly running it from day to night, or if she can't sleep at night, she's sitting there with her iPad. That's good for the battery, you know. Run it down, charge it up, run it down, charge it up. That's a good way to treat your battery. Yes, it sounds like a song from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Treat Your (laughs) Battery. You have to be pretty old to know what I'm talking about. I'm... 
anxious to talk about Apple Watch. I know you are. And <laughs> the reason you are is because I'm going to guess now, all right? Let, let me do a guess here. All right. The reason is because there is a not-so-obvious design feature of Apple Watch that everyone is missing. What, pray tell, is it? It is called the partition of tasks. One of the ways to look at the watch, at the, at the Apple Watch, is as a timepiece, a glorified timepiece. Another way to look at it is um, this device on your wrist that has all these apps that you can access, calculators and billings, applications and fitness and calendars and things like that. But where the Apple Watch really shines is Apple designed the Apple Watch to take care of the things that you would normally fuss with on your phone. And I've got a couple of good examples. I was at a, a medical center a while back and I my phone was in my Apple carry bag across the room and my wife was trying to contact me and I wasn't in a position to run across the room, dig the phone out of the bag and answers. But guess what? My watch rang. I just tapped it. I was close enough to the phone to maintain the Bluetooth link. And I was able to affirm that to my wife that I was going to be right out because she was worried about what was taking me so long. So, and, and Apple's own commercial, which you've seen on TV, has a, a woman in the kitchen. She's holding a baby and she's trying to cook with one hand and holding the baby with the other. And she gets a phone call and she's not going to run across the room and pick up her iPhone and answer it. She's going to just tap her Apple Watch and answer the phone. So that's a nice partition of the task. The other nice partitioning is, is that your iPhone, when it sits on your desk during the workday, doesn't track your motion, so you don't keep track of your steps and your activity. The Apple Watch, within limits of error, is pretty good about keeping track of the calories you, you burn up and how long you, you spend, uh, how many steps you take and whether you're standing or not. So you've got this device on your arm that's doing things that the iPhone and, and thirdly, well, this is not a partitioning, strictly, in a way it kind of is, because prior to iOS 8.3, to do Apple Pay, you had to pull your phone out of your pocket, and you had to uh, log on with Touch ID, and then you had to touch Passbook, and then you had to select your credit card, and then you had to hold it near the reader while everybody stands and say, what is this geek doing? And then you have to touch the home button with your fingerprint, and then boink, you've paid. Whereas with the Apple Watch, you just double-click the button on the side and pass it close to the reader, and you're all done. You've paid. So the thing about the Apple Watch is that Apple's figured out what tasks are inconvenient to be done on a phone and are better done on your wrist and partition those elegantly. And so when I read articles about how people are kind of blase and they don't really they don't think they really need an apple watch and they don't understand how it fits into their lives i'm going what planet are you on because if you use the apple watch right it offloads you and it elegantly takes care of those pressing tasks that would be annoying to, to, to deal with on your phone and i suppose if somebody's so hooked on their iphone that they you know wear it around their neck or they have it on a strap on their arm or you know they they constantly are staring at it they probably don't think in terms of using anything but their phone for these for these duties and they don't see why a watch would be part of it but if you're a person who 
understands this elegant partitioning. A phone isn't always handy. It isn't always on your body. It's maybe sitting on the other side of the room. One day I was taking a nap and my phone was in my office and I was 30 feet away, I guess, to be within Bluetooth range. My watch rang and I didn't have to get up. I could just quickly answer the call and be done with it. I didn't have to launch out of the recliner and go running into my office and pick up the phone. So I haven't seen too many articles that talk about partitioning of tasks. And, and when I use the Apple Watch, that's how I see it. That's how I use it. And I think it's an overlooked design element of the Apple Watch. And I love it. And I can't live without my Apple Watch. I put it on every morning. I wear it all day long. And I reluctantly take it off at night to charge it. And um, it's part of my life now. Apple's running a new set of commercials showing the use cases of Apple Watch for different people. I haven't had a chance to look at those yet, but that's the right thing to do. It's the way to sell the product. And right now, there's no way of knowing, really, how well it's going to do in the long haul. It depends on a lot of people, being like John, finding this thing indispensable. And until recently, you could even get one if you didn't decide to wait for several weeks. So that's also... An advantage. John Martellero, would you tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you do? I am senior editor for analysis and reviews at the Mac Observer. We're on the internet at www.macobserver.com. Yes, you, you still write for the street? No, I have not written for the street in quite a while. I had too big a workload, and uh, so I kind of drifted away from that. We have Mark Spoonauer of Laptop Magazine coming up next to talk about Windows 10. John Martellero, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Live. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Now, a twice-as-nice Twin Kit special offer from Complete H2O Minerals for all GCN listeners. Get a Complete H2O Minerals Twin Kit with 33 different minerals, vitamins, and amino acids all in a liquid form. Enough for two people for one month. Regular price, $89.95. But now, Complete H2O Minerals is offering the Twin Kit for $69.95. And all GCN listeners receive a bonus 16-ounce bottle of Ionic Silver absolutely free with free shipping. A $120 total value. Hurry, limited time offer. Call 803-794-4767 or click CompleteH2OMinerals.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. 
pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. The human body is more than 60% water. Your brain and muscles are 75% water and your blood is 92% water. Water is vital to your body, and alkalizing your water is the key to keep it running at its best. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops keep your entire body healthy, boosts energy, promotes weight loss, and even fights cancer. Call 800-518-7615 or go to AlkaVision.com to find out more. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Everyone says or does something silly once in a while. But once that embarrassing thing is on the Internet, it can spread like a terrible rash. Put it to rest. Get a free expert analysis today from Reputation.com. It only takes 30 seconds. 800-831-0771. We protect your online image by helping to make sure that when people search for you or your business, they find the most current, accurate information possible. Reputation.com. Because word travels fast. Call for a free analysis today. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We're joined by Mark Spoonauer, who's editor-in-chief of Laptop Magazine, which our listeners are probably familiar with because we've had Avram Pilch and other members of their staff on for a number of years. And today we're going to focus most of our discussion on Windows 10, which was just released this week and is basically a free update for Windows 7 and Windows 8 8.1 users. But there's a whole story about Windows 10 we should get into first. First, Mark, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Let's look at the history here. So in 2009, correct my dates if I'm wrong, we get Windows 7. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had Windows Vista, which didn't do all that well. But Windows 7 was a pretty good operating system. Right. I I think we all agree. It was pretty stable, pretty reliable, good performance, better security. So it was the pinnacle of the quality of a Windows operating system. In 2012, Microsoft releases Windows 8. And my first reaction when I saw the public previews, even before I tried the final version, was, what were they thinking, Mark? (laughs) And you're not, you're not alone. I summed it up at the time with two words, pretty complicated, right? Because 
it was nice looking, but it was almost too ahead of its time in the sense that it sort of assumed that all, all users had touchscreens, right? Or they had two-in-ones or, or convertibles. Or, and it just didn't respect the millions and millions of people who mostly operated their PC with a keyboard and mouse. Since then, they've made some changes, especially when Windows 8.1, it became more desktop friendly, I guess you could say. Still didn't go far enough in the minds of a lot of people. And I think with Windows 10, you can make the argument that they're trying to combine the best of Windows 7, which was very you know, positively reviewed, and taking some of the best aspects of Windows 8. And probably the best example of that would be the new Start menu. Now, that's a big thing here. First of all, the Start menu, as featured in Windows 10, I call a hybrid menu because it has what you like about the Start menu, which is get at your apps, and the other is the live tiles. It's combined in a single interface, so it gets a little bit of both. But what was Microsoft's feat of logic here in not having a proper start menu in Windows 8? You know, I I think they were so enamored with the idea of live tiles and touch and having a more dynamic interface and something that was more customizable that they just sort of, they almost ignored all all of the criticism and, and really just gave lip service to it by giving people a start button that didn't really do anything. I I think it it was sort of just, I don't know if it was hubris, I'm sorry, or just the fact that they were just, had this tunnel vision. Now, I look at it, and the thing I felt from Windows 8 is that it was very touch-centric. You wanted to get to settings. You had to find the sweet spot on the right side of the screen and get the mouse to click in the right place to get to your settings, and they called it charms. Why would you call settings charms? It's a good question. Well, partly because the charms menu did more than just that, right? It was your way to, to share. It was also your way to get back to, to start, yet, as if we needed yet another way to do that. And, and I think it's telling that Windows 10 has completely gotten rid of that charms menu and has now been replaced by an action center in the bottom right corner, which gives you easy access to a bunch of settings, and then you can drill down a, a little bit deeper. Now, I think one of the, con- the criticisms that we have, though, of, of that approach is that, yes, it is nice that they've surfaced more of the settings, so you don't have to dig, but you still have, ostensibly, three different settings menus, because you have the Action Center, which is sort of like quick settings that you would have on Android. Then you have the Settings menu, which is sort of has a modern interface. But then if you want to make further tweaks, you have the traditional control panel. In the comparison that I made with OS X, uh, the, the new version, although it, this part didn't really change, I do give Apple credit by just having one streamlined settings menu. And so I, I, you can make the case for having like easy access to the most popular settings and then drill down into one further menu. But to still bifurcate it like that, I think, is weird. Well, it looks like Microsoft is still using committees to build interfaces, and they're not talking to one another. So you get this curious mixture of the old and the new, And as I was talking to you, I was just looking at the Mail app Mm -hmm. for Windows 10. And it kind of sort of looks nice. I mean, it retains some of that Windows 8 look. I think the only thing that bothers me is the very thin text, even thinner than what Apple's been using lately. Mm -hmm. And when you get a little bit older, as some of us do, 
That's <laughs> kind of hard to read, isn't it? Uh, it is. And I, I do think that's one other area. I do prefer the mail app on OS X. Uh, Which is not I, perfect, of course, but look. No, no, it's not. Um, but, but I do think that a lot of people will probably wind up using uh, the browser for their favorite email client, like Gmail. This is not going to replace Gmail, for example. Or if you're a corporate customer, chances are you're going to use Office, and you know there's going to be a universal version of that. Uh, that'll be both touch friendly and desktop friendly. You know, the one thing I do like about the Mail app is that, like a lot of the other so-called universal apps in Windows 10, is that it's uh, responsive and scalable. So if you are using the new Snap feature and you're comparing a couple of windows side by side, it will sort of reformat to give you the information that you need, uh, sort of like a responsive website. So I do give them some credit there. All right, that's Mail. Of course, Outlook. 2016 is available for the Mac now, be available for Windows shortly. And that's a pretty decent app. I mean, I've used Outlook and its predecessor Entourage on the Mac, and they were treacherous, really badly done. But I think with Outlook 2016, they pretty well got it right. And it's very, very close to the Windows version, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, and I think there, there has been this disconnect for a long time between the two versions where Mac people were treated as second-class citizens. But I think, you know, that's one of the good things about the new Microsoft CEO is that he's really taking seriously this mission of Microsoft services and making them available across as many platforms as possible. As long as your credit card works, he's happy to have the business. (laughs) Exactly. Well, that's good. You know, that's the best thing. Instead of worrying about whether you'll switch to Windows, hey, if a Mac user will never leave his Mac, but he'll buy a Microsoft product or subscribe to it, What's the difference? It's still money, you know. Let's go back to Windows 10. Okay. Yep. Now, so we see the start menu, which, as you say, is kind of a bit of a hybrid, but it works pretty well. And what really surprised me here is with all the criticisms, so Microsoft goes to Windows 8.1, and they still didn't restore the start menu, but you had all these third-party utilities that could do it, you know, like free or for $5 you're getting these little apps that could give you a start menu, but Microsoft couldn't figure out how to deliver it? Yeah, and I don't know if it was the case that they couldn't figure it out. It's just that they didn't want to capitulate. And I don't know who ultimately made that call within Microsoft to finally give the people what they want, but I'm glad that they did. It just took too long to happen. Okay, let's continue to look at this. So we have a proper start menu. Yep. And now, of course, your Snap View now, you have, instead of having two apps, it's four, right? It's like That's right. Quadrants. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and in the past, I, you know, there was this restriction in terms of, of resolution. And uh, at least on all the systems that we've tried thus far, it, it works just fine. And you, know, you can make the case that maybe four is overkill. But for power users, I think it's nice to have. Or at the very least, you might go to three. Just having that flexibility is good. Especially since on, on the Mac side, what you're getting with OS X El Capitan is just a split view. It's so just two. Now, I look at both and I wonder here. I can see the point of seeing quadrants for apps on a really large screen. That's you know, right. Like a 27-inch iMac. I mean, I've got expansive space. It's fine. I'm looking at a 12-inch laptop. Mm-hmm. That's a little, you know, a little clutter there. Two screens are fine, two apps, but four might be a bit much. I agree. 
I, I think it really, really, really depends on the resolution and and, and, you know, and what it is that you want to do. Okay, let's go into that use case for the split-screen view. In our yeah. next segment, we have Mark Spoonauer of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state in back taxes, you know they'll never stop coming after you. With bank levies, wage garnishments, they'll even seize your home or business. The good news? A government program for tax debt forgiveness. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative. I'm Paul Sibley. With U.S. Tax Shield, we can help navigate the new laws, get you protected, and resolve your tax issues permanently. Call the experts at U.S. Tax Shield now for your free consultation and get a guaranteed quote to resolve your case. Call 800-436-6451. That's 800-436-6451. This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpillett.com. If you're worried about your health and you're tired of the nasty side effects of harsh drugs or antibiotics, then look no further. Supernatural Silver is the answer. Supernatural Silver is a powerful immune system enhancer that can be used every day to help keep you healthy and well with none of those nasty side effects. It's extremely safe for use internally as well as topically. And Supernatural Silver is hundreds of times more effective than colloidal or ionic silver. It is perfect for use in the sinuses, eyes, ears, and on any wound or skin issue. Supernatural Silver is also extremely effective when taken orally and can help fight off bacteria, viruses, and mold that may be overwhelming your immune system. Go to SupernaturalSilver.com SupernaturalSilver.com and use the promo code SILVER2015 for 30% off of your entire order and give yourself and your loved ones a fighting chance with Supernatural Silver. 
Did you know that drinking pure, high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Mark Spoonauer from Laptop Magazine. We're going over the ins and outs of Windows 10. We're going to get into a lot of the details here. So if you decide to upgrade to Windows 10 or you're wondering, we're going to be real specific. So I was going into the use case for these snap screens here. And what's the official term from Microsoft for doing that? It, it is snap, right? But now they have a feature called snap assist so that when you do snap a window to the left or right side, you'll see all of your available applications in a thumbnail view. So it's easier for you to select what you want that second or third app to be. As far as use cases go, I think it depends on what kind of user you are. But one good example that, that I've used a bunch of times already is you might be surfing the web on one side and, and checking your email on the other. And uh, for me, that, that's actually a good way to, to multitask and maybe not get too distracted because there's a difference between sort of glancing at what you're doing in another window and then it's sort of distracting you from what you were doing altogether. And it works so, best with a larger screen, obviously. Yeah, it does. And I think so, so even though, you know, the example that you brought up of a 12-inch laptop is well taken where it's overkill, but once you plug it into a bigger monitor and you have much more real estate, then I think it starts to make a lot more sense. Now, we see that Apple and Microsoft does the same thing in reverse. So Apple decided that they're going to have a split view right. for OS X, Al Capitan, and for the most powerful iPad. All right. Mm-hmm. So Apple has an iteration of this, too. Yep. So obviously they saw a good idea. On the other hand, Microsoft has a feature similar to Mission Control on the Mac to handle your open app windows and such. It feeds both ways. Yeah, it does. But I, do, I would make the case that Microsoft has done a better job because within that task view on Windows 10, you can actually close the windows or the applications from within that view, and you can't do that on OS X. And I've been asking them about that for probably three years, but Microsoft was just smart enough or just figured out how to put a little X there, and it's a nice way to clean up your desktop. Now, the other feature is virtual desktops. Now, Mm -hmm. this is nothing new either. There have been third-party iterations of this. You could see it under Linux, Apple added spaces, which is what I use. I religiously use spaces because I'm going to be working with several apps that I need to see on the screen at the same time. And split view wouldn't make it for me. 
but just having multiple apps in a specific space without being bothered by anything else is good. Now, the question I have here with Microsoft's iteration, yep. I had read that it doesn't survive a restart. Is that true? It is. And in fact, that what was, were they thinking? I don't know. I, I guess the good news, and, and who knows how big a deal this is to potentially add as a feature, Microsoft is saying that this is, in a way, like the last big release of Windows because going forward, they see it more as a service where enhancements will be released on a more continuous basis. It won't just be about security patches and that sort of thing. So this should be at or near the top of their list because in our review of Windows 10, that was one of the cons, the fact that it didn't persist after a restart. So it's just a matter of Microsoft devising a way to keep that setting from restarts because right now it's kind of sort of not very useful because the point here is if you set up a few different spaces, I have a few Mm -hmm. different virtual desktops and I need all those virtual desktops for different sorts of work, it gets to be annoying if I had to do it all over again every time I restart my computer. Yeah, it's a good point. Although I think you can make the case that these days people are restarting their PCs less and putting them to sleep more, especially on the laptop side where you close your lid when you go to that meeting or you're going home for the night and then you just open it back up again and start again. Now, it doesn't mean that it's not annoying, but I think it's less annoying than it's been in the past. Well, anyway, we can see how Microsoft treats that. And now, that's something I want to talk to you about before we get into more features. This idea of Windows as a service. You get one version, mm-hmm. Windows 10. And every so often, they'll feed you service packs with updates and maybe new features. Because right now, we're reading about a lot of bugs with the Cortana virtual assistant and even with mail, but we can get into those in a moment. They'll feed feature updates gradually rather than every three years have a monolithic update. Now, I can see for the end user that's nice, but if I'm a corporate type, I'm an IT manager, and I say, I'm going to go to Windows 10, and now I'm being fed feature updates, not just bug fixes. Mm-hmm. And I got to stop and retest all this stuff. Doesn't that make the job for the the IT person being confronted with more stuff in these ongoing updates? He has more to, or she has more to test. Does that make it more difficult for them? Yeah, I think it could. I think it's really going to be up to Microsoft to manage those relationships with, with vendors. And, you know, I'm not sure how much differently Windows Professional is going to be rolled out versus, uh, you know, Windows 10 you know, the personal edition. So I, I, I'm hoping that they'll be treated differently. I haven't uh, heard too much about how they're going to be treated, but I, I do think I agree with you that, it, that it's a concern because it, you're just adding that many more layers of complexity. Becomes more difficult. And right now, even going to Windows 10 from, say, Windows 7, which is very likely what they're using, that's going to be a very difficult decision. It's not that we, just looking at the desktop version or whatever, perceive it as being something that's compelling. They have to look at a lot of issues here, like will the drivers for their output devices or printers work properly? What about any performance glitches that might cause problems? They have to test this. So so they have to set up test configurations. And it could be a number of different machines on which they have to do this test. They have to test the drivers. They have to test all the compatibility issues, as we've said. They have to make sure it's exactly what they want before it's deployed to the entire company. You're not going to see a lot of 
of the enterprise going to Windows 10 for at least a couple of years, right? Uh, well, I think it depends on whether or not or where they are in their upgrade cycle, right? Because with Windows 7, yes, it's true that it works perfectly fine. But there are some security enhancements in Windows 10 that some IT departments will be interested in. And we had some discussions with HP this week about, about that. Um, and you also just have a lot of aging hardware out there, period. So you might have a very stable platform, but what about the, the hardware and, and does it have the performance that you need? Certainly, the business world is going to lag behind consumers in adoption. Um, but I, I think for businesses that have been on XP, uh, and there are still some that are out there, they'll definitely make the jump sooner than later. But yeah, and, but there's been tons of businesses that sat out Windows 8 altogether that um, will be looking to, to kick the tires on Windows 10 before they decide. Let's continue kicking the tires of Windows 10. Now, the other thing they're talking about here is something called universal apps. And in the old days, we called those fat applications. Does that mean that the same app, the same binary can run on a tablet, on a desktop computer, and also on a mobile device? That's right. Yeah, so when Windows 10 Mobile comes out, likely this fall, the goal is for you to be able to run, well, basically get the same app once and have it run everywhere, which is a pretty ambitious goal. And it's something that Apple doesn't have. For the foreseeable future, for OS 10 and iOS, they'll be separate, separate worlds, different apps. So it could certainly save you money, but I think it's really more about the versatility of the platform. And one of the other features of Continuum is that I've seen demoed is that you'll be able to plug, you know, walk up to a large monitor with your Windows phone and it'll basically turn it into a, a mini PC. But that, of course, assumes that the graphics hardware is up to the task of handling that huge screen. But the other question I have about universal apps, mm-hmm. a universal app, of course, is bigger. And that may not make so much of a difference with a desktop PC unless you have an SSD and you're trying to save space. But mobile devices are really constrained in terms of storage space. So doesn't that create a problem? It could, depending on the amount of applications that you, that you download. I, I suspect that, at least on the productivity side, a lot of the apps that people will be downloading won't be the hogs that maybe multimedia apps are, like games. Um, but, and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens when you download something in one place. Like, do they make any efficiencies for mobile, even if it's running on the same code? That's a very good question. Um, I think for phones, the, set, the 16 gigabyte starting point has been a ripoff. I've been saying that for years because sure. it's, really, it's not that much to really jump up to 32 or beyond. So I think the good news for users is that 32 is sort of becoming the new ground floor for at least mid to, to high tier devices. So I would suspect that when the next round of Lumia phones come out with Windows 10 Mobile, that you'll have at least 32 out of the gate. And I would hope the ability to add additional storage via micro uh, SD card. But we'll have to see. Yes, we will. We have Mark Spoonauer from Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. It's Windows 10 all the time for this segment with Mark Spoonauer of Laptop Magazine, and he's been probing this thing, he and his staff, since months ago when the first Windows Technical Preview or Windows Insider version came out, and he's had a chance to check out new hardware, and we'll talk about that in a little bit here, what's the best Windows hardware to use a new operating system on. Now, with Apple's iOS 9, they've set it up so that if you download an app that's a fat application or a universal app, say for your iPad or your iPhone, it will strip out the code that's not necessary. So you'll only get what's necessary for your device to save storage space, to conserve space. But But with Microsoft right now, it's still the whole thing. That's my understanding as well. And it's, at least in terms of people here who have upgraded to Windows 10, you know, for the first time, it's taken hours, and that's over a high-speed internet connection. So that's that's the first time. So if you assume that you have to download the whole thing over again, then you're adding that much more time uh, each and every time that you do it. So I think you want to make sure that you do that overnight, that you're, you're able to schedule that so it doesn't interrupt your work. Is there a feeling here that maybe Microsoft is working too hard to integrate everything? Obviously, it's company philosophy. Apple doesn't believe you mix toaster ovens and refrigerators, which is an exaggerated point from Tim Cook, but you understand Apple's philosophy, whereas Microsoft would like 
you to feel that wherever you go, you're able to use Windows 10 and have it just adapt to the device you're using. Right. Yeah, I think you could make the argument that it's a... Well, and, and it's not just the devices that we've talked about so far, like tablets and laptops. It's also going to extend to, uh, you know, <laughs> to wearables, holographic lenses and, and that sort of... So, you could make the case that they're sort of stretching the definition of Windows 10 too far, like like what won't it run on? Um, but I think when it comes to, let's say, like a, a laptop, like the Yoga, uh, something that transforms from a laptop to a tablet, where you might use it as a, a laptop most of the time, but when you want to kick back and use it in tablet mode, uh, or the Surface is another good example. I, I do think that there is a case for that, and it is a differentiator. For, for Microsoft between what they have and, and, and Apple. Now, the question is, are there enough compelling apps for people to take advantage of both modes? And a lot of the reviews that I've seen thus far, and, and including our own, have basically said that the app selection just isn't good enough. With universal apps, that could certainly change, but Microsoft needs to do a better job courting developers to make this all-in-one philosophy really resonate. Well, the other thing to consider here is this other feature they have called Continuum, right? which I gather say you have a convertible PC, which is a notebook that has a touchscreen. So you can take off the touchscreen and use it. If you're switching from mouse to touchscreen, there's like a button or something that allows you to make that switch. It's not automatic? Uh, well, no, it actually, it depends, right? You can, I think you can have the system ask you if you want to switch, but... Yeah, the, so the, be- the best way to do it is, like, the first time that you detach or you switch modes, Windows 10 should ask you if you want to switch automatically. And then from there on in, it, it should do so just fine. Now, I think what will be interesting to keep an eye on is how responsive is the hardware when it comes to knowing what mode you're in. I saw a bunch of HP systems this week which were very close to final, and there were some that you know, responded right away. Sort of like when you're changing orientations on uh, on a phone from landscape to portrait mode and back again, it was that snappy. And then others, there was a little bit of a delay. And what was interesting is that the HP executive said, like, we have to really take a close look at how long it takes because if it happens too fast, then the user will be like, oh, what happened to my system? Why is the interface different? So <laughs> they actually have to do some tuning to figure out what makes the most sense for users, and that's something that. Not just Microsoft, but the OEMs are going to have to pay attention to, the laptop makers themselves. My personal opinion on Continuum is that it can be useful, especially if you're going from laptop to tablet mode. But there are going to be some people who say, I don't want the interface to change from, from, one, from one to the other. Because one of the benefits of Windows 10, for example, is that if you have an application open, uh, a so-called modern app, you will see like a little X and the top right of the screen so you can close it like any other application. So I've never been a fan of full screen mode on the desktop side. And sometimes it just feels forced uh, when I see it on a two-in-one. But there are a lot of people who really like going full screen. So it's nice that they're giving people that option. The worry I have about this is not that the idea isn't a good one. Mm -hmm. You want to make it simple for the user, but you can also make it complicated because of you're not the person who made this automatic switch and things are switching. Oh, I detach my screen. It's doing this and I attach it. People are going to get confused and it's going to cause a lot of questions, a lot of tech calls. What happened to this thing? The screen doesn't look right. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think that very first experience with Continuum, that, that message that you get, I think it's important that people understand what that is. Because a, a lot of times when you see things pop up, you're like, yeah, okay. And you just select it. But then if it really impacts the user experience, then it could come back to really to bite you. So I, I think that maybe Microsoft could do a better job of explaining what Continuum is on the system itself and or the hardware manufacturer, so you're sort of easing people into the process so that it's less abrupt. I think anything that informs the user is good. When you try to make it too automatic, right? what happens is you're going to have confusion because I see this even on Macs, which is supposedly easier to use, basic things, and not because a person is stupid. It's because they're not into technology. They want to just use it and get on with their business, and it confuses and befuddles them. And something here which is this drastic, where the nature of the interface changes so it's touch-centric or mouse-centric, can cause problems. And I could see there are going to be issues with different hardware. Right. As you're seeing with HP. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it is going to be a concern for people. And I think that, I mean, the last thing that Microsoft wants is, like, more tech support calls. And the same thing goes for the laptop makers and tablet makers. So they're going to have to figure out a way, whether it's tutorials... And also just make it very easy for people to turn the feature off if they don't like it. All right. It should probably be in the control. If it's not already, it should be in the control center itself, in the action center. I'm thinking IT people are going to have to make a decision like that. They bring this into the office, and they have the convertible PC. They're going to have to make a cold, hard decision or spend time to train each of their people. They're going to have to do some training there for people to get used to it and make a decision whether to deploy it that way or not. Yep. And, and the same thing actually holds true. There's a parallel here for Cortana, which is the personal assistant in Windows 10. Which we want to get to in our next portion here, yes. Yeah. Well, well I was just going to say that a lot of laptop makers, you are able to activate this, this assistant with your voice, but a lot of device makers are leaving it off by default because it uses battery life. Well, the other issue here is where is it valuable? In an office environment, having everybody say, hey, Cortana. (laughs) You know, it's going to be like this commercial for one of the Honda cars where the people in the car are starting to do a chorus and they're singing. It's a lovely commercial, by the way. I don't care much about the SUV they're selling. But the commercial is lovely watching this family that actually can keep on key and they make this great chorus. And you can imagine a large office and lots of cubicles and everybody's got Windows 10 and everybody's got Cortana turned on and they're saying in unison, hey, Cortana, oh my God. That's a nightmare. I I, I think that for that reason alone, all IT departments should turn Cortana off by default in terms of, well, just the voice activation. You can type queries in there, which whether you're doing searches, natural language searches, or you're just seeing like who won last night's game or or whatever else. So I I would just turn the voice off. Now, this gets into philosophies about whether to have voice recognition on a desktop computer between Apple and Microsoft. And I want to ask you about that, what your feeling is about that. We've got Mark Spoonauer for a while longer. He's from Laptop Magazine. He's the big muckety-muck over there because he's editor-in-chief. So we have to watch what he says, because he speaks with authority, as everyone we talk to from Laptop does. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live.
so here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you're worried about your health and you're tired of the nasty side effects of harsh drugs or antibiotics, then look no further. Supernatural Silver is the answer. Supernatural Silver is a powerful immune system enhancer that can be used every day to help keep you healthy and well with none of those nasty side effects. It's extremely safe for use internally as well as topically. And Supernatural Silver is hundreds of times more effective than colloidal or ionic silver. It is perfect for use in the sinuses, eyes, ears, and on any wound or skin issue. Supernatural Silver is also extremely effective when taken orally and can help fight off bacteria, viruses, and mold that may be overwhelming your immune system. Go to SupernaturalSilver.com SupernaturalSilver.com and use the promo code SILVER 2015 for 30% off of your entire order and give yourself and your loved ones a fighting chance with Supernatural Silver. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich, working harder than ever, but getting nowhere Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare, having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. 
You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we're basically dissecting Windows 10, not just reviews, but talking about every feature, the use cases, what might be involved. So if you're deciding on your PC for home or office, whether to try Windows 10, that's a decision. And by the way, for Mac users, Windows 10 will work under boot camp on your Mac. In fact, some people say it works better than on some Windows PCs. And also, it works great on Parallels Desktop as a virtual machine, which is how I'm using it right now. And it runs perfectly fine. It really does with really good performance. So if you want to get the best of both operating systems, there's your chance to do it. Okay, Cortana. Now, Apple has been playing with voice recognition since the 1990s when they had plain talk. You remember that? Or is that before your time? No, no, no. I've been around long enough to remember that. Okay, it wasn't very good, but it was one way of doing it. So Apple obviously has the power to add Siri to the yep. Mac. Yep. They can do it anytime they want. They've opted not to do it so far. Mm-hmm. So do you see that maybe this kind of feature is better suited to the small personal device than a full-blown computer? I think it depends on the nature of the interaction. If you ask my colleague, Avram, he is very... Yeah, very passionate about this subject, and he thinks that people shouldn't talk to their PCs, period. <laughs> now, I, Well, I'm, he's a really, really great guy, and I can see him using the proper words if he had to talk to it. <laughs> right. So I, I think, but I actually do think that there is a place for it, depending on what you're trying to do. I mean, so does it actually save you time? I think in certain situations it can, as long as the voice recognition is accurate. So, for example, if you want to do a reminder, like, remind me to talk to Avram about our Windows 10 coverage the next time I email him, that's a very complex thing to, to do as a reminder, and it interacts with another app, right? So, to me, something like that saves time, where, and I tried this, where I went into the mail app, I started dictating a message to Avram, and then a, a little window popped up, said, hey, you want to remind him about the Windows 10 coverage. That is something that I think is valuable. Now, and you can also dictate entire messages, which is something that saves time. Um, if you're doing simple searches, then I feel like it, it's almost a waste to, to have the, the voice capability. Uh, or, you know, Cortana, tell me a joke or something like that. I mean, there's, there's lots of little things that Cortana can do. But I, as far as like being able to talk to your PC, my litmus test is, does it save you time versus doing it the traditional way? When I read the review at Recode by Walt Mossberg, mm-hmm. he ran into a lot of problems with Cortana, with the accuracy of the speech recognition. What about you? I would say it's not so much about the accuracy so far. It's the fact that it seems to be cutting us off, where it listens for a very short period of time. And if you don't get the words in, it sort of just goes off and does its search. One example that we had is that we tried to ask it, what's the president of the United States? And then we got cut off, and it, it just gave us the president of United or United Airlines. <laughs> so Maybe it just doesn't like Obama. It could be. Right. So I guess Cortana is conservative. 
Um, I feel like I need to test it a lot more, and ideally Cortana should get smarter over time as it learns your voice and, and learns from what you ask. Um, so I'm not ready to say that whether or not it's good or bad, but it certainly needs work. Okay, we'll go into what else needs work in a moment. So for years, especially recent years, the Internet Explorer browser has not been getting the love. Yep. It doesn't render sites as accurately. The performance hasn't kept up with Chrome or Firefox. I don't mention Safari because it's pretty much Mac-specific. They're not really doing much with the Windows version anymore, Apple. As browsers go, it just hasn't kept up. So Mm -hmm. Microsoft decides to do a new browser. Now, the first thing I wonder here, is it because of the baggage of the name Internet Explorer that this is not called Internet Explorer? That's right. So you have a whole new browser in Edge, uh, which I think is supposed to really be about performance and a very clean presentation. They've added some unique features, but I think this browser is about as much as what they took away as what they added, probably more the former. And we're we're doing a head-to-head right now between Edge and other browsers, and we hope to have that face-off done uh, maybe by the end of this week or early next week. And at least in a fair number of performance tests, it's outshining the competition. The question is, does it have enough features to really win over fans from Chrome or Firefox? So, for example, one, one area where Edge is deficient is a lack of plugins and extensions. And Microsoft admits that. I mean, they're sort of starting from scratch here. So it's really, I think at first, really about targeting the masses. And then maybe over time they'll be able to win over power users in terms of the features that they decide to add. Now, I have been using Microsoft Edge. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at one of my forms. Mm-hmm. It's very clean. Everything is very well labeled. The settings yep. are simple mm-hmm. and pretty well done, I think. Even the advanced settings. There's an advanced settings menu that you can just click or tap on. And it seems to cover the things you want. So as a practical matter of design, I think it's really good. And I think it's got a lot of potential. In fact, I think Microsoft should release Edge for the Mac. (laughs) It's not a bad idea. Again, right? Like, So if you're targeting people who are just everyday users who want a good out-of-box browsing experience, I think that Edge is, is surprisingly good for that target audience. I think that while some might see it as a novelty, the markup feature that they added when you go to a web page in the upper right hand corner, you'll see that some, a little icon that looks like a pad and a, and a little pen. You can mark up pages, highlight them, and then basically use it as a snipping tool to share pages with others. And I think that's a pretty neat feature. Now, just to point out here, this is like handwriting. You can write something on there. So I'm writing something right now on one of my forums, Attack of the Rockoids, where I sign my name to it. Now, the ads I've seen on TV, what they're doing is showing kids doing that. Kids marking up a web page and playing around with their friends. And I think that's good or bad, depending on your point of view. And it's bad because it implies it's a childlike feature. And if Microsoft wants this to be something that adults are going to get into, why show the kids being involved with it? Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the marketing campaign so far. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a better round two. Yes, it's true that Microsoft has a problem in the sense there's going to be a lot of kids growing up potentially either using Chrome as their primary PC because they're simple and cheap, like a Chromebook, or they might be using their phone and not even a PC, right? Which is kind of amazing to even think about. 
yes, they certainly have to win over the young crowd and they want their kids asking their parents for Windows 10. I think what they were trying to capture is sort of this sense of wonder. And I don't know if it's necessarily translating. I think it's better, for me, it's better to be straightforward. You know, we listened, we're giving, we're giving you the features that you, that you wanted. Um, almost like it should really be like a fresh start, right? No, I get your point here. Also, starting this way, you don't think of anything else. It's a new browser. You don't think of the history of Internet Explorer, good or bad. So I see the benefit. I don't know about the word edge, though, except being, you know, the cutting edge of technology, which is probably where it's derived from. But I wonder about the name partly because we have a rustler named Edge. We have a rock musician named Edge. And we're going to be off the edge if we don't do this break with Mark Spoonhour. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Healthy, organic, fresh fish, robust, mouth-watering vegetables, all from your home. It's called aquaponics. This brilliant, self-sustaining protein and veggie system is perfect for year-round growing. Know exactly where your food is coming from. Aquaponicsource.com is the one-stop shop for all your needs. Fish, fish food, plumbing, full systems, classes, and more. Learn to build your own system. Go to aquaponicsource.com for a free guide to aquaponics. That's aquaponicsource.com. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. Hey, neighbor, what are you doing digging? You had a heart attack last year. Oh, I know. I was told no more hard labor. Then why are you digging? Well, I've been taking ExtendoVite. It's been approved to help my heart. ExtendoVite? Is that a new drug? No, not a drug. It's uh, more like an herbal combination made from garlic and cayenne. Herbal? How can that help? Well, actually, we've taken herbs for thousands of years, and Extendivite is doing the job for me. Does your doctor know about Extendivite? Yeah, my doctor knows, and he said it seems to be working for you, so don't stop taking it. I feel great taking Extendivite. I don't want to stop. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822, or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Hi, this is Steve Spillum for Midas Resources. In 1971, President Nixon took the United States off the gold standard and put us into a fiat currency. This allowed Congress and the Federal Reserve to create trillions of dollars out of thin air. The national debt has risen to incredible heights, and your hard-earned dollars buy a small fraction of what they once did. The average life expectancy for a fiat currency is 27 years. The dollar is failing and on borrowed time. When currencies fall, people turn to gold and silver because gold and silver have been real money for more than 5,000 years. It is our mission at Midas Resources resources to help you preserve your capital. Don't let your personal savings shrink to nothing. For important free information on how you can protect your personal wealth, contact me, Steve Spillum, at 
2237 extension 308. Call today while we are still accepting dollars for gold and silver. 1-800-686-2237 extension 308. Make a change in your financial security today. That's 1-800-686-2237 extension 308. Everyone says or does something silly once in a while. But once that embarrassing thing is on the Internet, it can spread like a terrible rash. Put it to rest. Get a free expert analysis today from Reputation.com. It only takes 30 seconds. 800-831-0771. We protect your online image by helping to make sure that when people search for you or your business, they find the most current, accurate information possible. Reputation.com. Because word travels fast. Call for a free analysis today. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. We love that you're passionate about GCN. And whether you're a listener, a business owner, or a radio industry professional, we've redesigned the new GCN newsletter to keep you in the know. Get updates on your favorite GCN shows and hosts. Go to GCNlive.com and click on the banner in the upper left corner. Just for signing up, you're automatically entered for monthly giveaways. Start receiving your newsletter today. The future of talk radio. GCN. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Mark Spoonauer of Laptop Magazine is here. We're talking about Windows 10. I was mentioning the name Windows Edge because of the rustler, the rock musician, that sort of thing. Is that the point that Microsoft was saying, basically, this is the cutting-edge browser, but not thinking about the people already using that name? Yeah, because when you think about it, Samsung is already using it, too, with their the Edge on their products, right? So the Galaxy S6 Edge, and they had a, a Note Edge product. Um, I, I think it was really more about cutting-edge, and ultimately... I think most people aren't even going to know what the name is because they're just going to see that E on the desktop and it just looks slightly different than before. It's really more about the experience and, and whether or not that delivers. And I wonder how many people will say Internet Explorer when they look at it and use it and not they, think it has a different name. They probably will, right? Because, I mean, that's what it's been in, in the past. And interestingly, they are still keeping Explorer around for people who do really care about things like extensions and some of the features that they're used to on the traditional browser. But it, it does really seem like Edge is being positioned as the browser for the future, whereas with Windows 8, you had these competing browsers and you really wasn't sure what was the priority for Microsoft. Now I think we know. As I say, I think they've done pretty good. But let's just look at the downsides here before we go on. Yeah. I've read a lot of reviews. Your review, reviews, and other publications. A lot of little bugs running around loose in this first release, more so than I even see in the recent Apple OS releases, which had their own problems. So do you think Microsoft really tried a little too hard to make that July 29th deadline? Yeah, I mean, maybe there's something with back to school and not missing that window, because we're actually, believe it or not, we're getting to the tail end of the back to school window, at least in terms of how people shop. So I think that was probably important for them. Because if you're not in, in the retail channel before the third, third quarter really gets underway, then you're, you're really in trouble, right? So there's lots of laptops on shelves right now where people are buying them that don't have Windows 10 on them, and then they get the message as soon as it boots up, do you want to upgrade? You know, so I, I think that's good. 
but I think they want to avoid that going forward into the holiday season. Now, to your point about the bugs, I, I think you know what we said in our review is that we said beware of bugs. I mean, my opinion is that for now, Windows 10 is mostly for early adopters. There's nothing wrong with waiting this out a little bit until Microsoft is, is, has worked out a lot of the kinks because there's going to be a lot of stuff that pops up. And, that, and really, we get to the crux of the difference between Microsoft and, and Apple. Apple benefits from controlling the hardware and the software. With Windows, you have all of these you know, dozens of PC makers that have different drivers for different parts of functions, whether it's the touchpad or the microphone or whatever else. So there's just a lot more that can go wrong. So you think in the dog days of summer, get the thing out, and maybe by fall they've got one or two bug fix releases past them, and you're getting something where a lot of the bad things are gone. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the hope. I mean, so cer- certainly most of the reviews have been positive, but most of them have also mentioned the bugs. So really, I mean, I see that as just basically a, ca- a word of caution for consumers. I, I think it just means wait it out. Like the, the experience will be good, but there's no rush. It's not something where if you're still using Windows 7, yes, it has more and better features and probably better performance, but it's not going to hurt your life to stay with Windows 7. If you're using Windows 8 or 8.1, well, I can see an argument there. Just anything, get away from it. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, again, I mean, like, there's, is there any one feature in Windows 10 that really is going to make someone jump right now? No, I don't think so. But if you have a secondary system that you want to try it on now, I, I don't think it, there's any harm. So you can get, sort of get used to the user interface and a lot of the features so that when you're ready to put it on your primary PC, you'll be ready to go. Do you think businesses will find this a compelling reason to update? I'm not saying today. We know it's going to be a year or two before they make that move. But do you think this solves the problem in terms of getting the enterprise into upgrading their older PCs? Uh, yeah, I think it will at least move the needle. I'm not sure how much, uh, but when I, when I met with HP this week, they shared some interesting data about what business customers care about in terms of Windows 10 and what has them excited and, and what doesn't. What the top of their list was enterprise data protection because apparently that's beefed up in Windows 10. What's interesting, third on that list, which is more than a third of respondents, said that they were looking forward to the new start menu. So no surprise there. Um, so so I would say like it's the stronger security features and then just the better usability, at least going from Windows 8, right? So your question is really, if you're on Windows 7, should you upgrade? And certainly there's no rush. So I think it's a matter of timing it with your hardware upgrade cycle. And you should almost have like if you have if you're a larger company, you should have a, a smaller test group within it that's using Windows 10 and finding the, any any bugs that are related to the services and, and software uh, or peripherals that that you use and use that as as a test case before you do a bigger rollout. Now, is this going to make a difference for the holiday season? And one of the things here, of course, is that it's a free update. So you yep. buy a PC, you know you're going to get the free update to Windows 10. So what difference does it make? What's your perception? You know, a lot of analysts that, are, that have been asked about the PC market in general said that there's nothing that's going to stop the continued decline of PC sales. 
And I happen to agree with that because a lot of people are, first it was tablets, right? That people started moving away from because their phones were good enough. Uh, and now I feel like, to, at least in terms of usage time, not getting rid of the device, when you, when, when you see people out and about, they're using their larger screen phones and sometimes in, in place of a PC. So I feel like that, that, that's sort of a, a new threat that uh, Microsoft really hasn't had to deal with before. However, I do think heading into the holiday season, Windows 10 will at least have a blip, a positive blip, because of the marketing momentum behind it and some of the capabilities that it brings to the table, like Cortana and that sort of thing. So it really depends on how Microsoft and its partners really portray Windows 10 and get people excited about it. But ultimately, people don't buy operating systems for the most part. They buy PCs. So what are hardware manufacturers going to do to take advantage of Windows 10 and really extol the benefits of it? This is the thing we should go into in the final portions of this segment here. So yep. you've talked to HP. You've got a bunch of systems here that come with Windows 10 or have been updated to Windows 10. So we have about a minute and a half for this segment. Then we'll go to the final segment. What are you seeing in terms of what the PC makers are doing to exploit the value of Windows 10? I think you're definitely seeing a lot more attention paid to 2-in-1 devices, and not necessarily just the detachable ones. It's you know, the devices that are laptops that flip around, uh, like the Yoga, which has inspired a lot of competitors from HP and Dell. We're testing an Inspiron uh, 11 3000 series, I believe, right now. Um, that looks pretty good. And what's interesting, too, is that a lot of these two-in-one devices are under $500. We're working on a roundup right now. Uh, we got six systems in from multiple manufacturers, and we hope to post our results, I think, sometime in August. So it's really nice that you can get that sort of versatility for under 500 bucks. So for less than the cost of an iPad, you can get something that doubles as a laptop and a tablet. And that's, that's pretty nice to have. Now, is it going to have the performance that power users need? No, but it, I think that it's outweighed um, by, by the versatility. So in terms of the difference between one PC and another, then I think it's really up to the manufacturers to make sure that features like Continuum works, that it changes modes when it should, um, that they're tuning their microphones so that it works well with Cortana. There's lots of little things that PC makers really need to pay attention to to make sure that they, they're delivering an optimal Windows 10 experience. Let's pay attention to this and then maybe mention a couple of more PCs that are good if you're going to go to Windows 10. Mark Spoonauer is editor-in-chief of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. By now, you know that wireless technology like cell phones do, in fact, pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. As if chlorine in our water weren't bad enough, now they're adding ammonia? It's true. Some municipalities are now adding ammonia plus chlorine to your water supply. It's a disinfectant called chloramine. But with a trusted Big Berkey water filter, you can keep chloramine out of your water. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show EPA Berkey water filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria and viruses, all forms of fluoride, and much more. Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market. The gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get your Big Berkey today. Call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Healthy elimination is essential to high energy, a cheerful mood, and prevention of disease. Some of the founders of our modern holistic health thinking state that disease begins in a toxic colon. A toxic intestinal tract is the foundation for virtually all degenerative disease. And a clean and well-moving intestinal tract is the foundation of health. I just want to say that you folks have an amazing product. I've taken whey protein products for years, and I've never noticed results I have with your product. I've suffered with thoughts of constipation most of my life. Within a few days of taking One World Whey, I noticed a dramatic change. Also, in the past few years, I've experienced symptoms associated with diabetes. I feel horrible when I've had too much sugar, and I've been getting the foot pain as well. But I've noticed in the past week or so, I'm not feeling bad anymore, and the foot pain is gone. I'm just finishing up a five-pound tub I ordered and just got off the phone ordering more. I love your product. Thank you. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. (laughs) 
We have Mark Spoonauer of Laptop Magazine to give you all the goods on Windows 10. As you're seeing, except for some early release bugs, it's actually a pretty compelling update. And the Windows Edge browser, replacing Internet Explorer, I think is really well done. It's got a lot of good potential, and that's why I suggested before Microsoft liking to spread the joy here, you know, come up with a Mac version. It's been years since there was a Mac version of a Microsoft browser, but I think this is good enough to stand up with Safari and Chrome and Firefox and even Opera. It's got a lot of potential, as I said. Okay, if I'm going out there and I'm going to Best Buy and I want to buy a brand spanking new PC, probably a notebook, and I want to see something that's really going to show off the best of Windows 10, can you give me some ideas? Sure. Well, I, I think if you're if you don't necessarily need something that that flips around, but you like something with touch, one of our favorite ultrabooks is the Dell XPS 13. Um, it starts at 7.99 if you don't want touch, but if you spend a little bit closer to a thousand dollars, you'll get one of the best ultrabooks on the market, long-lasting battery life, a very compact design. It gives you basically a 13-inch display and something that's the size of the 11-inch MacBook Air. Um, so it's a really great feat of engineering, and they've updated it and optimized it for for Windows 10. So they've done little things like making sure that the touchpad uh, works well with the OS and uh, the microphones. That's definitely one of our, our, our top picks. If you're on a, a tighter budget, if you're looking for something under $500, we like the Dell Inspiron 11 3000, uh, which has also been updating to Windows 10. Also, the HP Pavilion X360 which is under 500 bucks, and, and our test got about six and a half hours of battery life, which is pretty good for that price range. If I'm sitting there in Apple's development department for operating systems, yeah. obviously there's certain features of Windows 10 that reflect different philosophies. Mm -hmm. So continuum, because Apple doesn't have a convertible PC, stuff like that. Obviously the different philosophy of having separate operating systems for mobile and desktop. But are there things that Apple could learn looking at what Microsoft has done? You know, it seems to me for the foreseeable future that they're going to keep their desktop and mobile operating system separate. The question is for how long? It seems like they feed off of each other. So with features like handoff, for example, you can start working on something on your desktop or laptop and then hand it off to your iPad or iPhone. There's uh, continuity which is not to be confused with Continuum, where you have you can take calls or text messages from your phone on, on your Mac. And all of these features are very compelling. I like the way that devices play together. The question is, how far will Apple go before meshing the two? I don't see them necessarily going that direction anytime soon in, in, in the direction of Windows 10. It, it just seems like it's against their philosophy. It doesn't mean that they won't change it in the future. Um, but I feel like with the adding multitasking to iOS is sort of a nod to the fact that they know that they need to focus more on productivity when it comes to the iPad. And there's a rumor that they're coming out with a so-called iPad Pro, right? which will have a, a larger 12-inch display uh, targeting more business users. Who knows? Maybe that will come with a keyboard. But I suspect that it'll, it'll run iOS and, you know, and not OS X. I don't assume then there have been rumors about this that Apple would ever consider, or at least in the next few years, going to ARM processors for Macs, and partly because of the fact that they need that cross-platform capability. 
because a lot of people use Macs and also run Windows on it. So that's certainly one particular benefit. But also because of the fact that it would have that additional step of emulating all that old software. And Apple's done things to optimize their products for Intel processors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that they do a lot of other things under the hood to optimize their hardware and software that gives them an advantage over Windows, like their touchpads are, are second to none, as one example. And I think with OS X El Capitan, they're making a big deal about performance gains, especially when it comes to their metal graphics that they're, they're touting. I don't know how much they're going to do beyond that. But I do think it's worth mentioning that they do make their own mobile processors, even though they're borrowing some stuff from ARM. You know, the A8, A9 processors are their own. Now, the question is, where do they go with that? Well, the thing to bear in mind, too, when they come up with an A8 or an A9, they're going to build a couple hundred million of them. Right. When they come up with a Mac, Macs are selling better than ever, but we're still talking about, you know, four and a half to five and a half million, which is a drop in the bucket. And... For Intel, getting Apple's business is good because all that is high-end stuff, except for maybe the Core M processor for the new MacBook. Everything else is a higher-end product from which Intel derives a lot of profit. So they're going to want to keep Apple happy. Well, that's a good point. I mean, they, they certainly have a lot of incentive to make sure that they're delivering the, the latest and greatest to Apple. There's been rumors uh, probably going back the last four years or so about Apple flirting with other partners to sort of keep them honest. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Apple was using Motorola processors in their PCs, if you remember. Right, and then they went to IBM, and you know where that went. Yeah, yeah. So I think that they, they're they very smart. I think that they'll probably try to push the envelope. I mean, you, there are some people who really believe that the new MacBook was going to have an Apple processor, and then they you know, wound up going with Core M. And I think they made the, the best decision for, for that product. But if you go out a few more years, it'll be interesting to see how much more advanced Apple gets when it comes to, to processing as, as sort of all these platforms start to converge just a little bit more. I don't know. My personal opinion here is that Apple is not selling enough Macs and will never sell enough Macs to make sense to go through all the nonsense of having to build an emulator, having to deal with cross-platform compatibility, to deal mm. with the fact that a lot of people want to be able to run Windows on their Macs. I don't think Apple would do that. On the other hand, I don't think Apple would consider AMD as an alternative because AMD doesn't really have any really good parts at the high end, do they? No, they don't. And they haven't really made enough inroads in low power and efficiency. That's one of the reasons why they've stuck with Intel. Throughout the years, we've done so many tests on battery life and AMD always comes up last, you know, compared to, to Intel. And certainly some of their newer chips for value-priced laptops, sort of like in the mid-range, look fairly promising. But in terms of cutting-edge performance and battery life and achieving that balance, Intel has reigned supreme. So we both agree Apple's probably not going to switch from Intel for the foreseeable future unless something drastic happens. And that AMD really doesn't have it together in terms of being the competition. AMD makes great graphics chips, on the other hand. Yeah. But that's another story. Okay. Please tell our listeners where they can find out more information about what you do and what Laptop Magazine does. Sure. Just go to laptopmag.com. Feel free to check out our full review of Windows 10. We also have upgrade guides and more than, I think, upward of 20 tips already 
to help people really get the most out of this operating system, everything from Cortana, how to use the new interface and, and snapping and everything else. You can find out more about us on Twitter. You can look for Tech Night Owl. You can also find me on Facebook. Just look for Gene Steinberg. Look at the crazy-looking guy with the plaid shirt, which I'll never change. More than likely, he's me. We've got another radio show for you, by the way. It's called The Paracast at paracast.com about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. Mark doesn't know about this, otherwise he probably wouldn't have come on the show, but we have this other radio show that we have a lot of fun with, and this week we'll be talking to Margie Kay, who talks about UFOs, remote viewing, and all sorts of other stuff at Paracast.com, Paracast.com, and we have that other feature of this show called Tech Night Owl Plus. Tech Night Owl Plus is a way for you to get a version of the show without the network ads. And we offer it for a low monthly or annual or five-year subscription rate. All you have to do to find out more is go to plus.technightowl.com. Point your browser to plus.technightowl.com. You get simple sign-up instructions on how to join. We also give you a higher-quality audio file with Tech Night Owl Plus. So if you want to hear Mark Spoonhour in the best possible way, <laughs> Tech Night Owl Plus. <laughs> Mark, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. All right, thanks for having me. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.